Yeah, I want to share tonight regarding stepping out. And just want to start with Moses, if you could please open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 1 to 5. Moses had stepped out of Egypt into the wilderness and he was tending his father-in-law's flocks. And as, as the scripture tells us in this passage, uh, that his father-in-law was a priest of Midian and Moses led his flock to the back of the desert, to the back parts of the desert and came to a place called Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. I will examine it as to why the bush does not burn. I've never seen a fire burning that doesn't consume the fuel that seems to be burning it. Or allowing it to burn. So, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Moses replied, here I am. Then the Lord said, do not draw any closer. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. God's message to Moses was, before you come any closer, before you get closer to me, remove those sandals that are on your feet. And those sandals that Moses acquired in Egypt, that he wore around the palace, were not acceptable in the presence of a holy God. And Moses, no doubt, was quite familiar with his footwear, but he had to remove it. He had to remove it in God's presence. That which he was able to wear previously to do his work and to go about his duties, he was not able to wear in God's presence. He had to remove. So I want to talk to you about stepping out, stepping out of a life that we're used to and possibly thought patterns that we are used to. And it's only when we step out of our past that we can come into God's presence. It's only when Moses stepped out of Egypt, not only stepped out of Egypt, but had to step out of the sandals that he was wearing in Egypt, that he could approach a holy God. And it reminds me of my favourite shoes. I brought them for you tonight. In fact, I wore them. These are my Birkenstocks. And I've had them for a number of years. I've worn them to the Philippines and Africa on mission trips. And um, they're very comfortable and very familiar to my feet. Um, last time we went shopping over in America, actually about a year ago, um, Holly was urging me to, that I needed to replace them. So I got these little beauties, some new Birkenstocks, 
but I've struggled to actually, I've worn them a couple of times, but they just don't feel right. You know, they just don't fit my feet. And, you know, it's like wearing a, a um, you know, a solid piece of timber or something, you know, strapped onto your feet. So, it, yeah, if size 12, you want a pair of Birkenstocks, you have to come and get them from my place because I only got one here. So, so I, I'm familiar with my, with my shoes. They just fit me well. And I would say that um, I find it difficult to adjust to a new pair of Birkenstocks. <laughs> yeah, much to Holly's disgust. <laughs> but you know, the past is like that in our life. We get so familiar with who we are and who we were. And even our thought patterns, even though they may be uh, torn and worn out, destructive, we get used to them. And it's difficult, you know, when the Bible says renew your mind. It's difficult when we, when we delight in the old and we, you know, reassure ourselves through our past. And even though your past may be painful and there may have been rejection, sometimes we delight in, in that and there's like an addiction to us uh, that, that always draws us back. Um, last week we looked in, or our brother Ezekiel shared with us that it's time to remove our turbans and crowns uh, because they're simply not working in our life. And uh, he said that there's come one coming who is worthy. There's one coming, there's one raising up who is worthy to be a priest. He's worthy to wear a turban and there's one coming who's worthy to wear a crown. We know that was the Lord Jesus. However, the turban that he wore was quite different to what we expected. And uh, he did wear a priestly garment, but it was covered with blood. And that's what gave it the power uh, to present us holy before God's presence. We know the crown that he wore was quite different to your average king. And yet it was a crown that caused him quite, quite a bit of pain. Uh, as those, those thorns pierced his skull and released his very life, uh, which was contained in, the, in his blood. So Ezekiel said, yeah, there's, there's going to come an overturning. There's going to come an overturning in the country because the proud are going to be humbled and the humbled are going to be exalted until he comes, the one who is worthy. And there is only one worthy to be your priest, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. No other man can present you before God. There is only one worthy king in this world, and that's the one that we crown with many crowns. Every other king in this world has fallen short of God's glory. In fact, God wasn't happy that Israel had demanded a king, and as he encouraged Samuel, he said, Don't worry, Samuel, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. They don't want me to rule in their midst like a king. So they went into a, a time, Israel went into a time where they were independent from God's presence and we know the king of Babylon came and overtook them and took them into captivity. But we see in Isaiah 43 verse 18, Isaiah is encouraging them uh, 
he says, verse 18 and 19, he says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So Isaiah was speaking to God's people in captivity while they were in Babylon, captives. And he was encouraging them that God is coming and he's going to make a road in the wilderness, a wilderness that, that is rugged, where there seems to be no way, no path through, no safe pass. God, God is going to come and make a road. He's going to make a highway a path where you can travel. So even though you may feel trapped in your life with not knowing where to go, God is coming. He's going to make a road in the wilderness and He's going to make rivers in the desert, even in a land that is barren of any vegetation, barren of life because there's no water. It's a desolate place, but God is coming with water. He's coming. There's times of refreshing. We know Peter preached on the day of Pentecost at times of refreshing has come. And he spoke about the Holy Spirit coming to the earth with times of refreshing. But however, before they could enter into this new experience with God, they had to forget the former things. Why? Because the former things were not allowing them to enter into the next thing that God had for them. So it was like they couldn't enter into the promises of God because in their minds they were thinking back here. And we know Egypt in um, Israel took so much delight, uh, not just like in their victories. And they delighted in the Red Sea crossing and how the miraculous power of God worked for them and all these things. And it was almost like they became proud of the miracles of God, but they were not able to press into God. So it's like they became content that God had performed miracles for them and they were God's special people, but they didn't press in to His presence to live a daily life of miracles. And we know that can happen to us in the church and even in our own personal lives where we've encountered God, the miracle working power of God in the past, but we've become complacent and, and we've become proud, like as if we achieved something. But the prophet says, do not consider the things of old. So do not consider the victories or the failures. He's going to do a new thing. And I believe that's a word of encouragement for us tonight, that he wants to do a new thing in your life. This revival that He wants to bring into your life is different to the revival of yesterday. He wants to break forth in your life in a new way. He wants to speak to you new things. He wants to give you a new song. He takes no delight in old songs. He wants to give you a new intimacy as you spend time with Him. He wants to speak new things to you from His Word. He doesn't want the old tradition, the old religion. He wants 
an encounter with you. He's a fresh God. And as we saw last week, that He gives fresh manna every day. The old manna is stale manna and it is no good for you. So today, He wants to speak new things to us. He wants to give us a new song to sing and He wants to do a new thing. But He can't do a new thing if our mind is on the old. That's why He said, new wine needs new wineskins. We have to renew our minds and know who we are today in Christ because of Jesus, not who we were in the past. So we see this drawing of the past victories and the past failures back, drawing us back and pulling us back. So we see in Israel... Their victories were just as destructive in their life as their defeats because they became proud and complacent. So we see their victories formed a complacency in their life just as their defeats made them discouraged. And I was thinking regarding when Jesus came to the pool of Bethsaida, when He walked into this world, when the Son of God walked in Jerusalem and He came to the pool of Bethsaida and He saw there a man who had an infirmity in his body. He he had a crippling disease in his body and he was there for 38 years. And what happened, the presence of God or the angel of God would come down and stir the water and whoever was able to get into the water when the water stirred received a healing in their body. And Jesus came in and he discerned that this man was discouraged. And he started conversing with him and the man said, well, uh, when Jesus asked him if he would like to be healed, And the man said, well, yes, I would like to be healed, but I have this thought in my life. My past tells me that for 38 years, every time I look to the future, every time hope arises in my heart that, yes, the water's stirring and there's some hope of getting healed, every time somebody gets in before me. So yes, I would like to be healed, Mr. Jesus, but my experience tells me that life is painful and it's discouraging. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you've got some pain of the past that keeps coming up. Every time the Spirit of the Lord is is urging you to press on, Every time the Spirit of the Lord wants to do a new thing in your life, maybe there's some pain in your past, some discouragement that ties you down. It's like an anchor that ties you and stops you going forward with God. What I want to tell you tonight that Jesus is your solution. Jesus is here. The Word of God is here and He is able to transform you. Even though your past may be full of pain and discouragement and disappointment and rejection, 
Whatever it is in your past, it cannot stop the Word of God working in your life if you would allow Him. If you would just say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I submit my life to You. I believe You are able to heal me and You are able to do a new work in my life. Yesterday is gone. I am here today for a new life with you. So we can't, it's true, we cannot erase our memories. We know that when Abraham was, when Jesus spoke about Abraham and Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man in hell pleaded with Abraham to send a a drop of water, but then he said, let me go and warn my relatives back home. Let me go and speak to them. So we see memory is a powerful thing. I know that our memory cannot be erased. However, the power of our memory to destroy our lives can be killed through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember Lot's wife when she was urged to run for the mountain and she was following Lot and they were heading up the mountain. The mountain speaks about God's presence. She turned around, she looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. We know the Lord says, he who looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. He who takes the plough in his hand but turns back is not fit for my presence. So what that means is that we, we can't walk forward and backwards at the same time. We are designed to walk forwards with Jesus. There may be a time of soul searching or healing that you may go back into your past to repent or deal with certain things. But Jesus will take you forward. When you walk with Jesus, He will take you forward. He will always take you into God's presence. He will take you up the mountain. It's only Satan who is the accuser of the brethren that will point his finger at you and will take you back into your past continually so that you will end up believing that you're a continual failure. He wants wants us to step out of our past life. Whether it's good or it's bad, we are all in this same place here where we have to step out of yesterday into tomorrow. We are just ending 2020 and we are stepping into 21 very soon. And we are going to put this past year behind us and we're going to enter into what God has for us in the future. Paul the Apostle says in Philippians 3.13, he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended But one thing I do, forgetting, 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 forgetting those things which are behind. What that means, he he can't forget, but he can kill the power of that thought to separate him from God's presence and to hold him back. And he sees that he is reaching forward. So first we forget, secondly we reach forward to those things that are ahead. And we see in Paul's life, he says he presses. There's a pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So there's a pressing in our heart towards Jesus. 
But we can't press towards Him if we're continually looking back, feeding our lives with the way it was back there and, and, and licking our wounds and getting others to lick our wounds. You know, one thing with the mind is the subconscious mind actually doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. That's why you can, you can watch a, a good movie and be totally absorbed in that movie and even take on the emotions like you were there. And, and I remember the first movie I, when I was a little boy, I, I cry, wept in the cinema because it was like E.T. go home, you know. And it was like I was so sad because E.T. had lost his family. They were going up in the spaceship, you know. And it was like it was, like it was real to me. So, so our mind, you know, that's, that's the dangerous thing and the powerful thing about the mind is that we can, we can rethink, rethink all these negative experiences that we've had in our past. And the more we rethink them and hash them over in our mind, they become real to us like that. We, they rehappen, rehappen, rehappen. But then the powerful thing is that we can choose to cut them off. And, and as Ellie uh, explained to us, that we instead, we take the, the Word of God and we meditate on that and we speak over our lives what the Word of God speaks over us. And, and so firstly, we cut off the negative thought patterns. We choose not to meditate on it. We choose not to give those things power and authority in our lives. And then we, we take the Word of God, we take the promises of God and we speak them over our lives. We meditate on them day and night until they become real. And then we keep, we keep uh, meditating on them. So imagination is powerful. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, just after uh, Hebrews chapter 11, when Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about the men and women of faith. And then he, at the end of chapter 11, he speaks about how they were sawn asunder, they were uh, stoned, they were shipwrecked, and, and they were, the terrible atrocities happened to these men and women of God, but they, they, they accepted not deliverance so that they may obtain a better resurrection. But then he goes on in, in chapter 12, verse 1, and says, Therefore, we also, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, every weight, and the sin which so easily is, ensnares us, and let us run with endurance a race that is set before us. So Paul knew there was a race to run with Jesus, to Jesus, to our eternal destiny. He said, in that race, there's sin which is waiting to snare you, but there is also weights. So I want to talk to you not, not so much about sin because you guys have decided to forsake a life of sin and you've come into Christ. But even after you're in Christ, there are weights which slow you down in your race. And these weights are the negative thinking patterns and, and possibly even victorious thinking patterns of the past because the past slows us down. The future is going to be better. Your future is going to be better than your past. So we need to dwell in the Word of God. We can learn from our past, but we can't dwell there 
If we dwell there, it will drag us down. So Paul is very careful to tell us, to take the time to tell us, to lay aside every weight. Lay aside every weight. These weights is not sin. These weights are things which weigh us down. It could be unbelief, doubt. It could be negative thinking patterns, negative memories. It could be internal agreements that you have made, that you've agreed, yes, I am a failure. Yes, I'll never be any good. Like the man at the, the water, the, the pond of Bethsaida, he, he made an agreement that he was never going to get well. So that even when the living God, Jesus, stood before him, drawing him into a better future, his memory worked like a weight to drag him into his past. We may have been through a path of criticism in our life, a path of rejection. Whatever you've been through, I don't negate that it's been painful. But Jesus has suffered more pain than what you have been through. And he's willing to provide you with exactly what you need to deliver you from that pain. So the applauds of men in our past also can be deceptive, just as the criticism of men can be destructive. And we saw last week, after the children of Israel defeated Jericho, that the very defeat of Jericho, quite miraculous it was and supernatural, it caused them to go into complacency. So they lost the next battle against the very small town of Ai. And the devil, he is looking for something to identify with in our lives. He's looking for some evil to identify with. He's looking for some sin or some failure. But if he can't find that, maybe he'll cause you to over-celebrate some victory that you've had in the past. Both are dangerous. That's why we need to forget the past and press towards the future of what we have with God. Remember when the disciples came back celebrating the victory that they had? They said, Jesus, we saw Satan... Um, come out, you know, we saw the devil uh, obey us. We saw people healed and delivered. And Jesus said, just be careful there, boys. <laughs> be careful. Don't rejoice in these things. Don't rejoice in your past victories. Rejoice in the present victory. Rejoice in that your name is written today in the Lamb's Book of Life. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But I'm not interested in that. I'm, I'm interested in my father. I'm interested that you would be interested, that your name is written in that place. You know, there isn't a person that's failed that doesn't have a reason or an excuse for that failure. And usually that is the reason why you remain in failure, just like the man at the pool. He had a reason. He had a justifiable reason to be crippled. And his reason was that when the waters stirred, there's nobody to help me get in. 
He was totally justifiable, except when Jesus turned up. His thought was no longer, his negative thinking pattern that he'd adopted and had been so, so much a part of his life, it, it didn't stand in front of the Son of God. Why? Because he was that man. He said, Jesus, there's nobody, there's no man to help me get into the healing water. Jesus came as that man. And maybe you would have a cry from your past saying, you don't understand what I've been through. But Jesus would come to you and say, yes, I'm here for you. I know that you were rejected. I know that you were abused. But I'm here to accept you. I know you were discouraged, but I'm here to encourage you. I know you were sick, but I'm here to heal you. There is nothing in your life that happened to you at the hand of the devil or the hand of any man that Jesus is not able to heal you and deliver you 100%. You just have to allow him. You just have to believe in the finished work of Calvary. There is no sickness that he does not desire and he will not heal if you would allow him. There is no pain in your life that he cannot remove. We just have to stop limiting him. He's the God outside the box, the box of religion that we put him in. He wants to break out of that box. So there's a spiritual law that happens when we make excuses and we start blaming others. When we blame others, we transfer responsibility. When you see the fall of man, when Adam fell into sin and God came after Adam, Adam referred God to his wife. God had given Adam dominion and authority and responsibility to take care of the garden. When he referred God to his wife, he transferred the blame to her. And with that blame, he transferred his responsibility to Eve. And Eve, if she had remained quiet, if she had accepted that responsibility, then she would have become the head of man. But Eve transferred that responsibility that Adam transferred to her to Satan. And you see how Satan became king of this world. Because after Adam transferred that responsibility and that blame to Eve, Eve then transferred it to Satan, Satan remained quiet. And you see, when Jesus came into the world and he took the blame, do you see how he remained quiet? Do you see the power that was in the lamb that was silent when he was accused? Because in his silence, he accepted blame. He accepted the responsibility for your failure and my failure. In His silence, Jesus accepted the pain of your sickness in His body. That's why 
In Isaiah 53, it says, By His stripes we were healed. And we were pierced. He was pierced for our iniquities. So He was a lamb led to the slaughter, like a lamb who opens not not His mouth. Jesus is very powerful and there is nothing that He cannot do in your life if you give Him an opportunity. So Isaiah said, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now shall it spring forth. But before the new can come, we must get rid of the old. Let's put off the old. After we've put off the old, we behold Him. We come into His presence and we behold Him. That's why Isaiah brings them to that place of beholding. Before the new thing springs forth, he encourages us to behold, to behold God. It's in his presence. In his presence. Why is there fullness of joy in his presence? When we come into his presence, can you explain the joy? Is it just a feeling? No, it's not just a feeling, although it feels good to worship Him. But there's fullness of joy. Is it a happy, is it that I laugh in His presence? Sometimes you may laugh, sometimes you may cry, but it's fullness of joy. Why? Because there's no limitation. In His presence, you laugh at the enemy. In His presence, you laugh at everything that the enemy did and tried to do in your life and in your past. In His presence is fullness of joy. There is no limitation. There is no sin. There's no hardship that you've been through that He cannot take away. In His presence, there is fullness of joy. He wants to do a new thing. When God, you go back into Genesis chapter 1, In verse 1, between verse 1 and verse 2, there was a problem in this world. And we see there was an interruption to the plan of God. And in verse 2, it says that the earth was without form. Genesis 1, 2. The earth was without form and void. The earth was tohu and bohu. Is the Hebrew words, tohu and bohu. Tohu is a word which means confused. The earth was confused. Bohu means empty. The earth was empty. So something went wrong in God's plan for this earth. There came an emptiness, a confusion, a barrenness to the world. Something went wrong. God is not without form. God is not barren. God is not confused. Maybe you feel like your life is a little bit like the earth where it was dark, darkness, nothing but darkness, confusion, barrenness. That is the way we see the earth in Genesis 1 verse 2. But we see God doesn't wallow in that. It's just a recognition 
In, in fact, he doesn't take long to talk about the darkness. But he goes straight in with a solution. We see God as a talking spirit and he begins to talk. And as he talks, the life of God is transferred into the earth and all of the darkness goes. All of the barrenness goes. All of the confusion goes. And when God speaks, confusion goes. Order comes. Light comes. And we see the light came before the sun was created, before the earth was created. So we know that light is what we need for our lives. There is an eternal light that is available for you to lighten up your life that is separate to the sun or any artificial lighting that you may have in your house. And that light is the light of His countenance. It's the light of His presence. So we turn away, we make a decision not to focus on the past, to turn away from the past, to turn away from the barrenness, turn away from the resentment. I will not allow that to define who I am today. My thoughts of this particular person that brought damage and pain into my life will not stop me beholding your presence. I will, not, I will choose not to meditate on the previous darkness in my life. But I choose today to put that behind me so that I can behold His presence. Because in His presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. But you can't look at the pain in your past. You can't look at the darkness in your past. You can't keep bringing it up. Every time you tell someone the same old story, you relive it in your mind. Your imagination comes into play and it's like it's happening again. It's happening again. It's happening again. But we choose to forget those things that are behind us. We press on to the light of God. We lean into His countenance. We lean into His presence. David had this revelation in Psalm 36 verse 9. He said, In your light we see Light. What is this light? Is it the sun? No. Is it the moon? No. Is it the stars? No. It's another light. It's an eternal light of God. And what is the light that David wanted for his life was direction, was peace, was reconciliation. That was what he searched for. Some of those things he achieved, but the fullness of what he searched for, we have today in Christ. In His light. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. In your light, we see light. In your light, in the fullness of the light of your countenance, we have light for our lives today. So we have to step out of the past that tries to hold us like an anchor and we step into a bright future in His presence. The priests were not able to present the light of God for the whole nation of Israel. Only one of them was able to go in to the most holy place. But there is a priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is an adequate priest that has 
positioned his life to absorb all the pain and darkness from your life and give you an opportunity to enter into the light of God for the rest of eternity. In Psalm 119, verse 130, David has a profound revelation. He says, the entrance of your words gives light. The entrance of your words. That's cool. You can receive his word. If there's darkness in your life, all you have to do is allow his word to come in. Allow the word of God to come in. The very entrance of the word gives light. But you need to put away the darkness. Choose to step out of your past and step into his word. The entrance of your word gives life, gives light, and it gives understanding to the simple. God has chosen the foolish of this world to confound the wise. God has chosen the things that are not to confound the things that are. Sometimes the proud will not stop to allow the Word of God to come in and give them understanding. Why, if you feel like you understand everything, if you feel like you have all the answers, then God can't help you. But if you would humble yourself, as the Word of God says, he's going, to hu- he's going to exalt the humble. It is going to humble the exalted. The entrance of your Word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. Understanding to the simple. Understanding means discernment and insight and wise instruction. It gives us wisdom. So behold, I will do a new thing. Now shall it spring forth. going to... It's going to be a road through your wilderness that speaks about your life. Wilderness is a, it's a hard place. You don't have to remain in the wilderness any longer. The wilderness journey is over. Why? Because he's laid a road for you to walk right out into the promised land, the land flowing of milk and honey. He wants to bless you and make you a blessing so you can be a blessing to others. So tonight's an opportunity for to walk out of the barrenness, walk out of the wilderness in your life, the pain, the turmoil, and walk on the road as a highway of holiness into his presence. It's going to be a road in the wilderness and there's going to be rivers in the desert. When the river comes, we can irrigate, we can farm, we can grow trees, vegetables, fruit. We can enjoy life. Everyone needs water. <laughs> To live. Your life is going to be fruitful. The Bible tells us that your life is going to be like a well-watered garden. Well-watered, abundance, bearing fruit. But you have to leave the pain of the past and press in to a new future. There's good days ahead. 2020 was good. 2021 is going to be better. Amen? So... I want to pray tonight for uh, anyone that's been having troubling thoughts in your mind, Uh, any thoughts of anxiety, depression, reoccurring thoughts or negative thinking patterns. We want to to, uh, just 
go after that tonight. Um, so we're just going to leave the chairs where, where they are. I'm going to ask Ellie, our resident mental health nurse, I believe there's an anointing on her tonight to call out negative thinking patterns. And so if that's you and you would like some prayer for that, um, if you could come come forward, I think uh, there's going to be some lanyards if you want to give a couple of these fellas over there, these Holy Ghost men there. And there's a couple of Holy Ghost people further back. And Yeah. Look, um, yeah, we... Look, we can all pray for each other, but just for order, you know, there's a few people with the blue lanyards. Um, yeah, prayer team, that's what they are. Who else is on the prayer team, huh? <laughs> if you're on the prayer team, Jody, come just jump up over here. Can you stand up? That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. Maybe, uh, yeah, we have... We can have girls on this side and guys on this side. It's just, you know, with thinking patterns in case, you know, you, you if there's any guys here that's struggling with uh, pornography, not struggling, but if you're, if you're in that bondage of pornography, that's a negative thinking pattern. And when you look at porn, the danger is that, as I said, your imagination doesn't know whether it's reality or makeup. So if that's you tonight, don't leave until you get prayer. I want you to be free from that, and uh, you can be set free from that tonight. Um, so, yeah, just come out, humble yourself, and come out for prayer. Uh, you don't have to, um, you know, you don't have to delay on that. Um, and so any thoughts of anxiety or um, depression, yeah, come get some prayer tonight. I might just ask Ellie to just, yeah, um, I don't know, say